It's scaring is sharing the place where we share our scares. It's me, Jeremy Russ, Sasquatch Slim. It's me, Brandy Joe Planback, Flame and Scream Queen. And that's it. It's your dynamic duo for talking about horror and horror adjacent movies. Scarenamic duo. <laughs> it was something I was trying. Scarenamic duo. The Scarenamic duo. I like it. I do think that we're going to adopt the scare of approval for movies we like. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea for like That was the, from the last episode. Yeah, TNT. the the ones that we both give high scores to, that's going to yep. get a scare of approval. So those of you at home that are keeping track, write them down <laughs> cuz I'm not going to. I'll remember for the okay. two of Okay, good. Only cuz I listen to these episodes numerous times. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm our biggest that, fan. Is that a Wizard of Oz cup? It is. Oh my God. I meant to ask you about this. I saw in, oh, and I have a new one coming. So this is like one of those like cool cups that, you know, if it's hot, it stays hot. If it's cold, it stays really cold. Like awesome. overnight. That's awesome. Um, but my sister got me this Wizard of Oz one for Christmas last year, the year before, two years ago. And it's beautiful. Like it's the way it's done is really clever. But I just ordered a new horror one and it should be here within a week or so. And I can't wait to show you. It is beautiful. I looked forever for it. And I spent way too much money on it. Oh, no. (laughs) But it's worth it. But I meant to ask you, and your Letterboxd favorite four films, you have The Wizard of Oz, which I find so shocking. And I keep meaning to ask you, so thank you for bringing it up. Oh, it literally is. It's it's a top five movie for me. I love The Wizard of Oz. Amazing. Yeah, I've been watching it. Well, I mean, you know, it's like childhood nostalgia. It's like one of the first movies ever I remember seeing because it was a big, you know, favorite of my parents. So I grew up watching it. Yeah, and I've just spent my whole life revisiting it. You go to film school in college, you know, majoring in film. You watch it about a million times in all of your film theory and like film production classes. It's just such a, you know, it's considered one of the greatest movies ever, like period by all, you know, critical and scholarly sources. So, yeah, I've seen it probably more times than any other movie. The only thing rivaling it is probably the original Star Wars. Uh, okay. And those are probably the two movies I've seen more times than anything else. And legitimately both are in my top five, like all time favorite movies. So I have seen the original Star Wars twice. <laughs> and I, I still forgive you for it. <laughs> Once because a girl I dated in high school, her little brother really took to me and it was fun because I don't have any brothers. So it felt like I had a little brother mm-hmm. and he loved Star Wars and he really wanted to watch it with me since I'd never seen it. So we watched it and I could have cared less. And then when the new ones were coming, like the most recent round in like, you know, the last 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. One was coming out and I was going to go see it with Joe or something. So one time, like on his birthday, I want to say, we set up the projector at the old theater and watched the first one. And I was like, yeah, I don't I don't think I need to see these other ones. (laughs) Oh, man. And I'm so in like for everybody hasn't figured it out yet. Like other than like horror, Star Wars is the other like huge obsession I have. So, yeah. And Wizard of Oz, too. Like, I feel like it ties into all of my obsessions because it was scary. It's got mm-hmm. horror moments and the Wicked Witch is like one of the greatest horror villains ever, I think. And, and some people are very scared of the winged monkeys. I was. 
I hid, <laughs> I hid behind the couch as a kid every time they came on screen. And uh, yeah, and it's like science fiction fantasy, really, in a way. Yeah. Like you have, you know, it relates to Star Wars. <laughs> I'm sure Star Wars, it could be partially seen as influenced by Wizard of Oz of char- strange characters on strange adventures. And I don't know if you know this, but sometimes the term used for gay people is a friend of Dorothy. Oh, a, a phrase that is often used code for a gay. Mm-hmm. And it probably comes at no surprise that I was indeed obsessed with Dorothy as a young boy. I used to, I remember specifically being babysat at one point and my mom giving the babysitter the Dorothy dress that I loved to put on and pretend to be Dorothy. <laughs> but how nice of my mom. Like, I mean, it was mm-hmm. not the easiest for me to come out to my parents and it wasn't the easiest thing for them to accept right away but they 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 have and uh, you know they're very supportive um but i'm from wyoming i mean i blame most of it on that and the lack of um representation and and education in that sort of thing in a small Mm -hmm. rural place but i remember like her like not discouraging me from putting on a dress and pretending to be dorothy as a little boy which it just kind of surprises me but yeah i loved dressing up like dorothy i I loved it. I had a little like blue, what that checkered dress. There's a name. Yeah. 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 I can't remember what those are called, but yeah, I loved, loved dressing like Dorothy, ma'am. I, uh, I was, I was the wicked witch in college one Halloween. So that was. See, I see you as a scarecrow type. That was a lot of fun. Scarecrow is my favorite character. That's who I related to most, but, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I did that. I was the wicked witch in college one Halloween and that was a lot of fun. So. And I know, uh, like within the last decade, there was some, Oz movie that came out that wasn't horror, but it wasn't like geared towards kids. It was called like the Witches of Oz or something like hmm. that. That I okay. was interested in seeing. I never even saw that James Franco Oz movie. It was wasn't it very good? good. No, I heard. I mean, wasn't. with Sam Raimi attached to it, you know, as the director, you're like, come on, Raimi, you're like great, but you know, it just didn't turn out very good. I don't think. And they filmed it here, or a large yeah. portion of it, right? Yeah, I was almost in it. You were? Yeah, I got a call to be an extra, but it was like the times they gave me to uh, be there. You know, I couldn't get off of work because they're oh, like, they're like, we need you for this one day, but you have to be available at any time, like for this chunk of like three or four days. And I'm like, oh god, that's what I hate about big movie productions. It's like. We're only going to need you for one day, but we don't know which day it is. So it's one of these. Right. And I'm like, yep, I can't just take off work carte blanche like that. Sorry. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, the movie ah. I'm thinking of, I think, is from 2012. And it's called Dorothy and the Witches of Oz. And it's like a modern day sort of thing. Hmm. It does not look good. Sean Austin's in it. And Ethan Embry as Frick. You know that character, Frick. Oh, Frick. <laughs> it's funny how, like, the source material, there's so much, like... So many books, but like really like all we know is the one movie. Uh, and, you know, and then there was Return to Oz, which I think is the only other uh, like, good Oz movie and everything else. Love is just... it. And talk about like one that's sti- that lots of horror fans love. That was love. scary as hell, man. Because Mombi and uh, those heads. The, and wheel- the, wheelers. the wheelers scared the shit out of me. Like I was so terrified yeah. of them. So good. Watching it now, they're so silly, but I, I have no idea why. I was like, that was immensely horrifying to me. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. I loved it. And there was a guy made a, what was it like the ogre King or something like that was the character. He was like the gnome King, the gnome King. Yeah. And he was like a big statue that talked like, yeah. Like they did that, like clay, like claymation, but like 
the walls would like talk to him and it was yeah, like yeah, yeah, so yeah. amazing at the time that haunted my dreams for a long time as a kid yeah. like i found him scary. immensely creepy and like for ages i didn't know what movie it was it, that was another one that like i saw it on mm. television probably the disney channel because if i remember that is a disney production it is that disney one. yeah uh, and just, I was like, I knew there was another Wizard of Oz movie out there that I was like, was freaky as shit. And I couldn't remember the name of it for years. Uh, and then I rediscovered it. Yeah. And it deals with like electrotherapy and stuff. Yeah. Like, yep. Dark as fuck. And Piper Laurie's in it. I mean, hello. They're yeah, going to laugh at you. And it was uh, Farouja Balk, right? Was the Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And she had, um she had Belina was her like chicken that came to like life once she went to Oz with him. Uh-huh. I remember one time I was at a garage sale and there was like a taxidermy like orange chicken like that was like mounted on a, a piece of wood like standing up and I bought it for probably like two dollars and walked around pretending to be Dorothy with Belina. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god, how did anyone ever like take even... you serious? <laughs> Seriously. And how like no wonder every girl I asked to be my girlfriend said no. Well, not everyone, because I did have that one Mormon girlfriend, Jessica, that I asked to go to Silence of the Lambs with me, but oh sigh. And speaking of childhood, I know last week we talked about childhood stuff a little bit, but I finished the first in search of darkness again. And they showed they were talking about like nudity in horror movies, especially in the 80s. And one person was talking about how like she wished that there was like more like, you know penis and stuff in, in the movies and that there still should be. And then they showed that tiny clip from the beginning of Ghost Story. Have you seen Ghost Story? No. This guy like falls out of a window and like the first five minutes and you see his dick. And that was like the first dick I saw in a movie. Oh. And I just remember being like, whoa. <laughs> but I was curious if you'd seen it because I've never seen the whole thing. I think I've tried it and it felt real boring. And I was Ghost like, no. Story is a movie. Like, I don't, if it's the one I'm thinking about, I don't think I'd ever heard of it until like recently, like in the last few years, and had like seen some reviews, like retro reviews saying it was like a lost classic or something like that. Yeah, lots of people say that. I've seen a couple clips where it like it has a cool like monster creature ghost thing in it. Uh, and I've wanted to like seek it out to watch it, but no, I haven't. I'm very unfamiliar with it. It's like a bunch of old guys telling like ghost stories. Okay. It did not look great, but anthology movie. It might be. I I've never heard it quite described as such, but it maybe it is. I watched that other one that came out a few years ago. I think it's called Ghost Stories. It's like British. It's based on a play. And everyone was kind of nuts about it. And I thought it was fine. And then there's that one with uh the other Affleck, not Ben. Uh Called A, a ghost, ghost Story. A24, yeah. which is not a horror movie from what I understand. Yeah, I've heard it's weird, though. Very strange drama. Uh, and I've never yeah. gotten around to seeing it because I kept... Re- that was one of those ones that I stayed away for a minute because it had like either people loved it or they were like, this is the worst movie ever. Yeah. Uh, and so I've just never gotten back to it. But now I've been seeing enough critical analysis of it that's like, this is a well-made movie about like grief and loss in the afterlife and i was like okay maybe i should check this out at some time because i like a24s yeah it's got a cool poster i love a24s work in general for the most part so off top have you seen minari which i think is a24 no it's an oscar nom for best film and then that guy from the walking dead yeah who's from here he's nominated for best actor 
Yep, he was Glenn in The Walking Dead. Glenn. I loved oh, God. one of the one of the best characters, and I loved that yep. that era era of Walking Dead. I haven't watched in many seasons now. He so was so good. I was really into it for the first like really up and through till like Negan showed up. Like I watched through all of that. Yeah, and that was rough. Then I just I kind mean, of lost it in a good like. In a good in a way. Good way, but like it, it was shortly after that that I stopped watching. I was yeah, like, yeah, that's rough. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is fantastic in that role. Like I can't he imagine really anyone is. else playing Negan now. But yeah, it's the sort of thing where the show just kept getting too like, and here's an even worse dude than the dude before. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, uh, how many times are they going to keep doing this? I can't keep up with it. So so true. One day I feel like I'm going to sit down and binge everything. Uh, mm-hmm. and just watch the entire thing now that it's ending soon so yeah uh but you know carol's something. the best carol yeah, was carol's the best my character. favorite character i love that she uh, is now just the fucking terminator <laughs> in the show yeah she was like, always very linda hamilton yeah when, Sarah pe- Connor. when people need some killing she's the one that's gonna <laughs> do it and it's like it's awesome when she just loses it and like takes out a whole gang of bad guys you're like yep love it love it nico brought up some question with me and i can't remember how it started oh he brought up the descent and Mm -hmm. i said that is a movie i'm not fond of and it got (gasps) us on the topic of i am not either you're not well that was my my question for you is what are what's an unpopular opinion you have on a horror movie that everyone loves that you're not a fan of and i'm Uh, not a fan of the descent i thought the descent sucked the first time i saw it i was like this and it was like weird. I got weirdly nitpicky about the like mechanics of the storytelling is what happened for me oh. where I'm like, I mean, movies do it a lot, but for some reason this movie, like just they like turn into ninja warriors when they're down in the cave and can just dispatch the monsters. You know what I mean? Like, and it just took a lot of turns that I remember I haven't watched it in many years since like probably the only time I've seen it. But afterwards I was like, that wasn't that good. I didn't think. Yeah. I mean, I thought there were some decent scares and I love that image of her like coming out of the pool of blood and all of that. But like, I remember just, and as much as I love a female driven story, it is like what I thrive on ever since wizard of Oz back in the day. And but I just didn't buy their relationships. I didn't like the writing. I, like it just that all bothered me from the get-go so when things started to all go downhill in the story like i just was like i don't really care that much yeah i I think that's maybe what i was feeling was like it doesn't feel authentic any of the characters because like a lot of movies do like oh and all of a sudden they're just like really skilled at like fighting off this threat even though the movie gave you no indication that like why do they have these like survival skills and all that and i don't know i remember i saw the descent too as well and i remembered liking it more than the first one but i don't remember anything about the movie while the actress is not the same it is the same character right or is it all new people i don't remember at all because in that original ending she doesn't get out of there like she does in the u.s one yeah, and I remember hating that too. Like I felt like the movie yeah. didn't like some movies earn their like bleak ending mm-hmm. uh where like you have it figured like no one's going to get out alive and it's going to be a you know sad ending. But that was one where I'm like I feel like you owed it to us to have somebody survive by like sitting through this thing. Like why didn't you <laughs> take that away? Like it's just nihilistic and lame. Yeah. Are there other movies that you can? That was like my go-to, but now yeah. that we both have that, it's interesting. We have it. We both disliked it. I don't know. It just like maybe I'd feel different if I watched it again, but I've just never felt compelled to because I just was so like, this is not, this is lame. I don't want to watch it again. 
Yeah, I think Nico said another one of his is It Follows, which is not one of mine because I no, love it. I really like that movie. I actually just caught some of it on Pluto TV, if you're familiar with it. But aren't there commercials? Yeah, there's like commercials and stuff. I but... can't do that. Jeremy. Oh, you can't do it. No. See, I I like I like Pluto for like background noise. They have like a okay. you know the twenty four seven like horror station, and like I caught part of it follows on there throwing it on. And it's okay. Like, yeah, this is a very good movie. I've seen it a few times. I like it follows. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Are there any others you can think of that like Ooh. the general mass love, especially like horror movie folk? I'm trying to think. Nico also mentioned Relic, like as a, a recent one that just, you know, was overhyped. For me, another one probably is Host that we already watched and covered. Like mm-hmm. everyone just fucking raved over it. And I'm like, I already saw Unfollowed or Unfriended. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like this is not, I'm not saying Unfriended is like this masterpiece, but like it was clever in that like I'm watching through Facebook and yeah. that very authentic sort of, and it's like almost similar. So. Yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, there's got to be something in the recesses of my brain that I know is considered like a classic, but I don't think is worth the time. Oh, I have another one. What's that? But I think we've already talked about it as well. And I think you feel similarly is Paranormal Activity. Yeah, yeah. Paranormal Activity is one that I thought was uh, cool the first time I saw it, like seeing it in the theater. I remember loving the experience of everybody like ah, being scared of it. But rewatching it, I'm like, this is not good. Like, there's, you're never going to feel the same way again once you know the trick of the movie and it's increasingly lamer sequels. So, yeah, the only one I liked of this, well, okay. So I didn't care for the first one. And I, again, fall back on, I thought the writing was really horrible. Like, I didn't buy them as characters. So I couldn't really get into the story because I wasn't buying it. Mm-hmm. Um, she in particular, Katie is so annoying. Like, I hated her. Hated mm-hmm. her. The third one, I think, is the one that goes back to the 80s. Yeah, I think so. That sounds I think right. I've seen all of them. And because I, it's like Saw. Like, I never loved a Saw. But, like, I watched them always because I'm just curious to see what tricks are up their sleeve. And to see if there's some decent little scares. Oh, Saw is another one. Me too. Yeah. Where it's immensely like popular. And I think the first one sucked so bad. The second like, it's one's a really fine, bad but... movie. Two is better, but like none of them are like, and I've only seen like maybe I've seen one and two for sure. And that might be it. Uh, and I think I've seen bits and pieces of like three and four and some of the later ones, but like, yeah, I've never had interest because I thought the first one sucked really bad. And did you watch that TV show? I want to say it was called scream queen. And it was like, these actresses all competed to get a bit part in a Saw movie. There were two seasons. Sounds familiar. One, the girl, I can't remember what the first season, the girl who won. I didn't, I don't think I watched that season, but she had a decent little role and she was someone who like, you know, was one of the victims in I don't know, like saw three or four. And then the girl who won the second season, like barely had a line in the saw movie. And I really liked her actually. It was a fun Mm -hmm. reality show just because there was, it was like acting challenges, but like horror challenges. It was awesome. I think it was called Scream Queen. I I think that it sounds so familiar. I must've watched some episodes of that. I feel like it was on like the WB or some shit. Like yeah, that. I think I caught it like randomly, like not a regular, you know, viewing experience, but like I think I saw like one or two episodes of it. And then did you see, I think it was just this last year, there was another like slasher reality show mm-hmm. about like a summer camp. We tried to watch it. I can't even remember the name of it. It was bad. 
-hmm. like each one of them sort of died. Mm -hmm. I can't, it was just so preposterous. Like I just couldn't even wrap my mind around it. Doesn't sound familiar. Oh, I thought of another one. We covered this with Nick the Knife, Insidious. Mm. I think the first Insidious, well, I've never, I never saw anything after the first one because I did not like the first one. Because uh, yeah. the first Insidious, like I went into it, like the first half of the movie, I think exactly what we talked about is like, it's cool and creepy. Uh, and then all of the rest of it is stupid. And it like undoes yeah. any of the goodwill from like the first half of the movie where I'm like, this is just not good. Yeah. It's just preposterous. Yeah. The first half is so good, which is why I don't dislike it just because I love the first half a lot. Like there's lots in it that I find very creepy still and very well done. But that end is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've tried. The second one is so fucking bad. And then they just like, I think I've seen all of them. I think I stopped watching the last key or whatever the fuck it was called. Like, I think that was right before I went to rehab because I remember trying to, like, watch it a couple times and not being able to focus. And, you know, crystal meth is why. Uh (laughs) Made it very difficult to focus on one thing, at least. But, yeah, they're so bad. Yeah. But, Lynn, I mean, they brought Lynn Shea back into the spotlight and created, you know, she's definitely a a horror movie icon because Mm -hmm. of those movies. So Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And she's great. I mean, I love her. Yeah. I think my favorite person in In Search of Darkness on the second go around was Barbara Crampton because I think the first time I watched it, I had I'd only seen her in um, We Are Still Here. Thank you. And I didn't really know who she was then. She is just so cool. She's yeah. incredible. And it's interesting because she almost talks about reanimator like, and I mean, I'm sort of putting words in her mouth because I don't remember exactly, but like she. If she were to do have the chance to opportunity to do it all over again, she doesn't know if she would sort of was the vibe I got. Like mm-hmm. she didn't know going into it. Like, like she's sort of regret may be the wrong word, but she, the way she feels about her nudity is very interesting. And like that scene, the head mm-hmm. scene, yeah, like the infamous just, head head scene in more ways yeah. than one. Not like she was forced into it. It wasn't like that, but just her feelings on it were very interesting. I was a little bit surprised and she just seems cool as fuck. And she looks younger than she did. And we are still here. And I think that she was maybe meant to look up a little older there. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably her hairstyle as well, but, but I just loved her. And yeah. And I'm sure I get that too. I'm sure there's plenty of performers that have done things, you know, and past movies where like they weren't forced into it and they're like younger and like, yeah, I'm all about doing this. And then as you get older, you're like, ah, I wouldn't have done that movie again. Or like just, you know, who I am now and what I knowing what I know now, I wouldn't take that role or at least I would have done it differently. And the other gal I really loved was the lead from Texas Chainsaw Massacre part two. Yes. She was incredibly she, cool. Uh, her name's escaping me. Uh, Williams is her last name. Caroline Williams. I want to say. Yes, Caroline Williams. She is great. I think she's an underrated scream queen uh, from the the slasher, the the high, you know, the height of the slasher era. She's one of my favorite characters, I think, uh, from like a 80s slasher movie as Stretch in Texas Chainsaw Part 2. What a good um, name. Yeah, yeah. Fan- like everybody's got like she's stretch you know dennis hopper's character in that movie the sheriff is lefty (laughs) like they all have these great like very southern fried sounding nicknames uh i can't remember was it's like 
oh, JD or something like that is her like co-host at the radio station, you know. LG? LG, that's it. Thank you. LG. You know, it's all very, very down home sounding <laughs> nicknames for everybody. So I love it. I love that movie. I'm a big fan of Texas Chainsaw. Too. I got to rewatch it when I think of it for my childhood, because I did watch it when it like first came out on DVD or DVD on video mm-hmm. back in the day. And I just remember I feel like they're underground at some point or oh, in yeah. some caverns, right? Huge chunk of the movie. I remember him like being nice to her or like not hurting her when he could have or something like that's in my mind what oh, yeah. memory that I have. You're correct. Those are okay. Those are correct because he like falls in love with her. Is essentially okay. what's going on. Sort he's of like conf- a Beauty and the Beast sort of thing. He's conflicted where he doesn't want to kill her because he's like okay. attracted to her, and they do a whole thing where like clearly Leatherface doesn't understand what's going on because he's you know. Hmm. That's not how his brain works, but that's what's happening. But yeah, I love that movie. But for a lot of people, here's an opinion. I know there's a lot out there that think Texas Chainsaw 2 sucks. I know that's changed over time because of the whole like midnight movie, like cult following it has now. But like, I know when it originally came out, you can read about how like upset fans were about it because Toby Hooper decided he would never be able to out scare people with how frightening, you know, and the, the way the first one was received. So he decided to lean hard into black comedy and farce with part two and like essentially make a parody of his first movie. Uh, and people didn't expect so weird. That. It was ahead it's of its just time. Surprising. Like just yeah, it because is. you would have thought that it had a new director because of the tone. Yeah, no, but it's still Toby Hooper writing and directing it. So that's so wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need to, I, it wasn't long ago that I tried to rewatch it maybe a couple years ago and I just didn't make it very far. So I got to give it another whirl. And you got to be thinking about it like it's camp. It's high camp is what that one is, as opposed to like the seriousness of the uh, of the mm-hmm. first one. I also this week um, finally sat down because the season had wrapped and I binged the second season of Servant mm. over like two days because they're 30 minute episodes. It's like the best thing to binge a, th- a show that's 30 minutes long. <laughs> like you mm-hmm. can just like getting through like four of them is like so, so quick. And you're just like, oh, wow, look, I'm almost halfway through. And it was awesome. It wasn't as good as the first one with twists and turns, but you're so invested in the characters after the first season that you're just kind of along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really good. I highly recommend it. And I don't mm-hmm. know if it's M. Night Shyamalan's daughter or wife, but there's like a someone Night Shyamalan who oh. I don't know, who like does a lot of the writing and directing in it. Very interesting. Yeah, I'll have so, to check it out. I know nothing about that one, so I'll have to look it up. You should. It's worth checking out. And Rupert Grint is in it. Okay, is that Ron Weasley. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it's real good. I liked it. Okay. A lot. Yeah, I um, I'm trying to think. What did I watch? I revisited because of all of our mortu- mortuary talk with the mortuary collection, mortician talk. I revisited the original Phantasm again because uh, I wanted some more creepy mortician uh, with the tall man. And it's like, you know, that's that's one that Phantasm for me. Speaking of childhood again, I saw it as a kid uh, on like TV or something, uh, and it freaked me the hell out. And I always remembered it as the movie with the flying balls that kill people. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, yeah, it's fun. It's definitely like campy rewatch. When you go back to the original and watch it, you're like, you can tell it's so low budget and just pretty silly. 
but still got some cool, creepy stuff in it. Yeah, watching In Search of Darkness reminded me of two covers of Fangoria I remember as a kid. One is Phantasm 2 with that ball like stuffed in someone's mouth. Yeah. Like a real horrifying image. And the second one is from Pet Cemetery when the neighbor, what's his name? Oh, Judd, yeah. Judd Creed, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, when, or it, was Herm, it was Herman Munster that played yeah, him. Yeah. Uh, whose name I can't remember. Fred, Fred Gwynn? That sounds right, yeah. Is the actor, I think. When Gage slashes his mouth with mm-hmm. a scalpel and it like cuts like the smile like sort of on his mouth. And I just remember the cover was just like him with his mouth open and like slit on both sides. And it was horrifying. It was Judd Crandall because okay. Lewis Creed was the main guy. Um, the main family. So yeah, those are the two covers I remember distinctly as a kid. And I don't think I've ever seen Phantasm 2 all the way through, but I've seen the first one and I like not too long ago and I was like, this is not a very good movie. Oh no, it's low budget as hell. The end is great. I love when like he's dreaming, like and he's in bed and then like it opens up and it's like the cemetery behind him or something. Is that the yep. very end? That's the very end. Because okay. all of all of the Phantasm movies, the idea is that like you're never sure. They're like they're hopping between alternate realities and dreamscapes and stuff. Like the whole idea, because a lot of people are like Plot wise, all of them are very confusing, but that's like by design because you're never supposed to know what's real in any given movie because it's all these parallel worlds and stuff like that. So, okay. Yeah, they're they're wild as they continue on. Did you watch anything else? And I did revisit. I'd seen it before years ago. I watched because I saw it on like Amazon Prime or something like that. The 1959 version of The Hound of the Baskervilles. Oh, uh, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes with Peter Cushing as Sherlock Holmes and Christopher Lee is Lord Baskerville. And it was done by Hammer Studios, Hammer Pictures, or I'm not sure what their name is, the, you know, the famous English, uh, mostly known for their gothic horror stuff in the 60s and 70s. Uh, a lot of Peter Cushing and a lot of Christopher Lee in there. So, uh, and it's not too bad. It's a pretty good adaptation of the story. Cool. Not, uh, I don't know how if there's anything special about it other than the actors that are in it are so, you know, iconic for old horror, especially. But yeah, it's fun. It's a good adaptation, I think. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. And that's about it. That's all I visited. So, <laughs> well, shall we share our scares? I think so. Let's do it. So I am number one, I believe, this time. Yes, you are. And this time around, in honor of, while we're recording later this week, Godzilla vs. Kong will be premiering. It sure uh, will be. I am going to give you the 2014 Godzilla. Oh, fun. Which I know you had expressed interest in seeing, so I'm finally going to just give I it had. to you. Oh my god, fun, yay. So, I mean, I know that it's a giant thing that comes out of the water. <laughs> yep, you know who Godzilla is, so it's pretty, pretty easy to surmise. I wish I could remember more off of Godzilla King of the Monsters to like be able to compare the two, but I'm sure you'll have all the insight for me when we get to it. Oh, I'll but have I'm some sure stuff for there's you. Something that happens, you know, with us digging in the earth and undercovering or you know, uncovering some something that, you know, a monster is pissed off and comes out, wreaks havoc. I know that that one of the leads in it you think is the lead, and I know he dies early on. So, but that was a surprise for many people. I don't mm-hmm. know who else is in it. I know that Eleven from Stranger Things is in the second one, but I don't think she's in the first one. You are correct. So I don't really know who like the the heroes are in it. 
And since there's more, I feel like it's going to have to end sort of open-ended. Like he's going to go back in the water and they're going to think they killed him. But he'll come back alive or something. I don't know. And I mean, aside from that, they're pretty, it's pretty simple. (laughs) You've seen one, you've seen them all. But like in our contemporary times, I feel like they're going to go deeper with like what it means and how it happens as opposed to it just sort of happening. So we'll see. Very, very cool. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I feel like you may respond more positively to the, uh, (laughs) the more contemporary take on this. God, here's hoping. I hope so. I hope so. Well, what do you got for me? Well, shockingly, I'm going back to the 80s this week. Whoa! Weird flipping (laughs) rules here. Like, that's insane. It's Freaky Friday! Oh, no! And I'm giving you from 1987, Anguish. Anguish. I feel like before we started this podcast and when I first watched it, and shout out to It's Only a Podcast, because I had never... I had heard of it, but I didn't know I had. But they recommended it, and I watched it, and it is... Yes, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. I and I feel like I reached out to you after I watched it to see if you'd seen it. Yeah, and I have not seen it, and I don't know, like, anything about it. Like, I feel like it's a late 80s, like, slasher movie. Because immediately in my brain, I'm thinking, uh, I, I think there's another movie called Angst, which I'm, like, there confusing from, like, a similar period. But mm-hmm. I think both of these movies are about serial killers. Uh, so I think Anguish there's probably some twists or something in there all i but what i can piece together from what little i think i've heard or know of it is it's about a serial killer wreaking havoc through new york city or something i want to say i feel like this is a movie that uses scuzzy like new york city like what it used to be back in the day i'm gonna say or at least a city like that uh where it's a serial killer he's on the prowl he's killing probably women because i feel like women in peril is such a go-to from the 80s uh and hilarity ensues (laughs) and you know what i'm just gonna start saying this in the middle of the episode if you want to watch these movies just go to our link tree because they can be found there because this is not an easy movie to find i will say that from everything i understand of it it's not simple to find so you know if you reach this part in the episode and you want to watch the movies while we watch them you can pause it and go do that now do it so do it. Well, cool. Well, I am so excited to hear what you think. And I'm so excited to watch Godzilla. I know. I'm excited for you to see this one, too, because yeah. I'm hoping, hoping against all hope that you'll <laughs> respond positively. Because I particularly liked this one So cool. uh, when it came out, because I remember it was divisive. So we'll was see it? where you. Yeah, it was. It was for oh. the kaiju fans. It was a divisive movie. Ah, I see. Uh, and even outside of the kaiju community, I feel like in general, people either loved it or didn't like it. So I want to see how you feel. So cool. Well, I cannot wait, but I will until I watch it. Cool. Well, let's do it. All right. Well, we'll see you in a moment. Sid, don't you blame the movies? Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. They say he's got to go. Go, go, Godzilla. (laughs) Before we get into this, look, my new cup came in. Can you see it? It's Freddy Krueger, and it says, sweet dreams are made of these. 
Oh, that's it amazing. Is blue and glittery. And then it says, always follow your dreams. And that's the one you spent too much money on? Yes. $70 to be exact. I think it's, <laughs> I, I think it's cool as hell. <laughs> and that's worth that. That's one of those fancy mugs that like keeps it cold forever. It is. Yeah. Or warm or whatever you have in there. Whatever you want. Warm, cold. It, it holds on to it and preserves it for you. Good. Yeah. Hell yeah. Welcome back, Jeremy. Welcome to my nightmare, Brandy Joe. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about these movies. All right. Well, let's get going with the first one, which is Godzilla from 2014, directed yes. by Gareth Edwards. Uh, I'm going to read the letterbox description right now as if anybody really needs me to read a description of a movie called Godzilla. Hopefully you know what it's about, but here we go. The world ends. Godzilla begins. Ford Brody, a Navy bomb expert, has just reunited with his family in San Francisco when he is forced to go to Japan to help his estranged father, Joe. Soon, both men are swept up in an escalating crisis when an ancient alpha predator arises from the sea to combat malevolent adversaries that threaten the survival of humanity. The creatures leave colossal destruction in their wake as they make their way toward their final battleground, San Francisco. Yes. All right, man, take it away. Oh, what are your thoughts? What are your feelings? I very much enjoyed it. I, I was actually, I mean, for thinking you should just know what it's all about, I had I was delightfully surprised at some things. Oh, yeah. I like that this movie actually has a human story to it. Yes, that is good. It also, like, I knew, I knew one of the characters, I'm going to speak a little generally, I knew one of the characters who died earlier than people thought this person was going to die but the very first person who dies i i didn't know that was coming so it was like like they're like everyone's expendable <laughs> in the beginning <laughs> yeah pretty much and so i assume you're talking about spoiler spoiler spoilers if you're not seeing the movies you know you should watch them before listening to us when the mom dies in the beginning and the uh, yes yep i figured julia binoche was going to live on and that brian cranston was going to die i mean i knew he died early but yeah i didn't I was like, oh, I didn't know she was in this. And I mean, that's why, because she's in it for like five minutes. Mm -hmm. But but I didn't know Sally Hawkins was in it, and I enjoy her so much, so that was fun. Mm -hmm. And um, <sighs> have a new boy crush, Aaron, Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson. Johnson. Oh, my God. Uh, he, he is, is very hunky. Oh, so dreamy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I didn't know. So my biggest surprise was I didn't know Godzilla was going to be like a hero. Yeah. Like, that was such a nice surprise. I was like, oh, he's not the villain. I like that they did that, because at this point in the like the Japanese run of movies, like Godzilla has transformed from like evil to a hero for the most part in virtually like all of the... I mean, well, I'd say for the bulk of them, he's a hero. Uh, or at least, uh, you know, benevolent towards humans, not actively trying to kill us and then fighting whatever other monsters show up uh, and are trying to destroy everything, destroy the planet. So, uh, yeah, I did like that, that they gave into that and they were just like, you know what? You, you, most people accept Godzilla as actually like not the evil thing. Usually he's fighting the evil things. So I love that they went with that. Yeah, I didn't know that. And I knew like the the follow-up to this, Godzilla King of Monsters. I knew that there were more monster monsters in that, like I think Mothra's in that one. Oh yeah. If I remember right. But I didn't know there were additional monsters in this one. What mm -hmm. are they called? 
the, the Mutos. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. It's what is it? Massive something terrestrial organism, unidentified terrestrial organism. Is that what it was? Muto. Sure. Yeah. Something yeah, like that. I something. can't remember. But like, I also liked that I like felt for them too. Like they were yeah. monsters. They were bad, but like when they killed all of her babies, like I felt, I just like, it hurt me. I felt sad. <laughs> yeah. I know it is like a lose-lose situation because you're like, oh, it's sad that they're just stopping this natural process from happening. But at the same time, if they let it happen, it's going to kill all humans on the planet at some point. So Right, right, yep. yeah. So it's kind of a zero-sum game. Yeah. I'm sad that I didn't see it in the theater because I feel like that would have raised it to a different level, being able to see it big and loud and oh. large. I saw this, uh, me and my brother went to see it. I don't know if it was opening night or day, but it was early when it first came out. Uh, and we were in a sold out theater. And it is like one of those memorable movie going experiences for me because the energy, everybody in there, like, you know, you when you can feel the excitement that everyone yes. in the room is into oh, it, that's what I was going that. on. Uh, yeah, it was it was electric. Uh, and I just, what I really remember is like how pumped everybody was at the end for Godzilla saving the day. Cause when he got back up, like everyone started applauding in the theater mm. and there was like a guy when the movie was over and the credit, like the lights came back up. There was this dude that stood up and like kind of speaking to like nobody in general. I mean, like probably the people he was with, but just saying it out loud. He's like, man, the Avengers really need Godzilla on the team. And I was like, yes, yes, get <laughs> who needs the superheroes when you have Godzilla. I also loved it. They held off for so long before he like breathed his blue fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like that. So late. it was the first time he did it when it went into the monster's mouth or no, it was before that. Right. Yeah, it was before that remember. where, but like, where he, that like, was lets, he lets it loose. But you're like, oh, cool. OK, they built that up as like a uh, the piece de resistance, if you will. Like it should, you're like, OK, cool. The superpowers are getting unleashed now. Yeah. And this was I personally I, I know I had said this movie's divisive. That was because when it came out, I saw a lot of fan. I don't know if it was contained to just the monster movie, like Godzilla community or like the larger world. But uh, a lot of people didn't like that. They're like, it's called Godzilla and he's barely in it. Uh, and it's like true. He's got like limited screen time, especially in the first like hour or so of the movie. It's the human story with flashes of the monsters. But I personally think that works very well. Like it reminds me a lot of um, Jaws the first Jaws where you barely see the shark until the end or, uh, you know, some, along those lines. And I think it really builds up the, like, the awe-inspiring nature of these creatures where you're just seeing, like, parts of their bodies and stuff because you're getting a ground's eye view of people in a panic as they show up and you're not really seeing the full picture until later. Yeah, I didn't mind that so much, truly. Yeah, I thought it felt very authentic to, like, the chaos of... yeah what this would really, really be like. My major downfall in watching it as I was watching it with Joe, because he's like, I'd like to watch Godzilla. And probably about halfway, three-fourths of the way through, like, I mean, I just know when he's not liking something, I can tell in his body language and mm -hmm. his size and things like that. And at one point he just said, maybe I just don't like monster movies that much. Uh -huh. <laughs> and like, 
that just it bummed me out you know like mm -hmm. i was enjoying it i don't know that i i would i don't know that i'd say i absolutely loved it i very much liked it mm -hmm. especially coming off godzilla king of the monsters the og yeah like, that was just such uh, a painful experience and this was so much fun as much as hot as i thought aaron taylor johnson was and as much as i love elizabeth olsen i never truly was like invested in them as characters wholly like he mm -hmm. was hot but i found him a little boring like i wasn't like ooh, like i i'm so wrapped up in these characters as much as i was like brian cranston and then he's gone so soon you know yeah sure and brian cranston man he just chews the scenery of everything he's he in man in he's just way. he's just yeah in the best way possible he is just a force of nature himself <laughs> when they let him go yeah i could have done with more of Sally Hawkins. Like I felt yeah. there wasn't enough of her and her guy. And then of course, uh, and then Ken Watanabe as well. Great. Yep. Uh, yep. And he's in some of the other ones, right? Yeah. He comes back in King of the Monsters. And Sally Hawkins does too. Yeah. Yes. And then of course, you know, Ken Watanabe is just one of those great, like he's traversed Japanese cinema and now he's established in Hollywood as well. So one of those crossover yeah. stars. I jumped a couple times and Joe laughed at me both times uh -huh. and they were like, it's a, like it once was when the monster was awakening in the beginning and like kind of broke out of its shell and something happened and it mm -hmm. made me jump. And then the second one was a dumb jump, which was when they were on the bus and like a bird hits the window or one of those. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, it totally got me. Oh yeah. And I loved that so much when the monsters were fighting so much of the sounds and like, it didn't rely so much on music as like the noises that they made. Mm -hmm. Like that sound design I thought was spectacular. Yeah. And they just did a, such a, it, all the scenes with the monsters, rewatching it this time, I kept thinking about like, man, they did a really good job of showing you like overwhelmingly, like how much the creatures are just a force of nature when they show like humans are so inconsequential to what they're doing. You know, we can just try and get out of the way. And it's just all the chaos and like the human cost where you're like, ah, I just hit a building. That's like a thousand people dead, like right there. <laughs> but they just, you know, it, it's, it's like a natural disaster movie really is partially what this feels like. I just like, I thought of that during the major destruction in like San Francisco, like it made me think of Cloverfield and how Cloverfield came out like not too terribly long after 9-11. I mean, mm -hmm. a decent amount of time, but I just still like it made me think of like anyone who really lived through that like in new york city like within the destruction like close to it or lost people in it or were near the world trade center or had to run from you know the smoke and the debris like everywhere like i'm just like can they watch movies like this mm -hmm. like i feel like it would be so hard if you'd lived through something like that to have to watch this and i know that there's I think Cloverfield was in a way, maybe they've, I remember reading about something about it being therapeutic or like it took place in New York and that you were supposed to think about nine 11. Like mm -hmm. it was, you were supposed to think about these monsters as sort of being like the monster of like the chaos that we've endured or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But it just like, it crossed my mind. I'm like, man, if I would have lived through that in a really personal way, could I watch and enjoy a movie like this? 
because that mm-hmm. destruction is just so realistic looking. And I just, yeah, it, it really, like, I really thought of it during this. And I think I did during Cloverfield too, but for whatever reason, it really like resurfaced again here. Yeah. And I think uh, I've, I've heard things like you were saying, both directions too, where some people are like, just can't do it because it's too, you know, close to home. And I, I've seen other things where, so clearly it's an individual basis, of course. And I've seen other blurbs or written things about people that are like, no, it's like really cathartic to watch those kinds of things now having been through it and then to see something they can actually relate to uh, can be helpful. So so I'm assuming, yeah, case by case basis. I liked that the destruction, the monster destruction, monster mayhem, the monster mash Mm -hmm. happened in numerous places. Like it happened over in China. Where was the first thing? Where were they? Uh, Japan. In Japan, yeah, and then Hawaii, and then San Francisco. Like I loved that there were oh, and Las Vegas. Like and I Las loved Vegas. that there were these like numerous places where it happened. So it wasn't like a buildup or just that you were in one place and the destruction happened there. Like it kept sure. happening in different places, which kept it very active. Yeah, and I think that makes logical sense too in the plot because you're like these things are gigantic. They're gonna traverse like hundreds, thousands of miles very quickly. So it's like, yeah, use the whole globe as the setting for this because it's, you know, that's what's going to happen. And also I found it interesting and I actually liked a lot that like in all this news footage and stuff, like it was like, here's what's happening. It wasn't like, what are these things? Like there wasn't, people just sort of, took it for what it was it seemed a lot yeah (laughs) like like there wasn't a lot of like what on earth are these things in a big discussion and people like being like i don't understand what's happening what is that giant thing like it just it kind of was yeah and accept it like because i mean what else can you do but be like oh well this is a monster sure yeah and i feel like that's very realistic too because you think about when these major disasters happen too like there there isn't a lot of rationalizing until after you know, like when it's happening, they're just like, this is what's going on. And everyone is, you know, scared or confused, but trying to figure. And then afterwards is when you have the let's try and figure out what went wrong or what exactly could have been done. You know, that comes later. So I felt like like that was very realistic. And I really appreciated all the daytime monster scenes because I love daytime horror. Mm-hmm. I love when things can happen during the daytime and either be freaky or effective. And I just found all of the daytime stuff so compelling. Yeah, and also to juxtapose against all the like the human carnage. That's why I really liked the scene where Aaron Taylor Johnson's character he helps the little boy that gets separated from his parents. And mm-hmm. because one, you're like, oh, that's a super huge. Like he's a dad. It you know that's a very humanizing moment that he's gonna help that kid. And then when the kid does get reunited with his parents, I'm glad they aren't like the parents are dead and this boy is an orphan now. Like I was like, thank you movie for at least giving us that happy moment. But I would say that like, while I was happy, he found his parents like, and I know you're very excited to see your son, but Mm -hmm. really not a single one of the three of you are going to acknowledge and say, thank you. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just kind of, the boy just runs over to the parents and, and then like, they're like, yeah. bye. I'm bye. like, that See is ya. rude. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is major rudeness right there. I was I very, he just upset. saved your freaking son guys. 
I mean, it kind of, I guess, is the better alternative and probably the more realistic version than like some really like touching, like the boy turns over and looks at him and smiles and blows mm-hmm. him a kiss or some bullshit. Like yeah. it probably is more realistic that he'd go over there and they'd just be so wrapped up in finding each other they just leave. But I just wanted either the parents or the kid to acknowledge him to some degree. And, oh, yeah. And I, I mean, if I was him, I would have been really pissed off and been like, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't. He had his own things to worry about. That's true. You know, and he's he's got too much uh, restraint, that, you know, soldier boy there. He's got too much discipline. So speaking of, like, the military action scenes, like, all of that is, like, legitimately thrilling throughout this movie. That's what I kept thinking. Especially... Of course, the big one, the when they do the halo jump out of the airplane to get into mm-hmm. the city, uh, that is like literally like every time my heart is in my throat, like watching that scene, like just the way it's executed. They jump out like of the plane. Red smoke. Yeah, they come through oh, the beautiful. They come through the debris cloud because you're like, yeah, the destruction these creatures is gonna kick up literally blacks out the sun. So yes. they're coming through the debris cloud, like and just that when it goes dead silent. Uh, and you just hear like his breathing apparatus and he sees the like they're coming in around the monsters like that is I think so that was well in the done. trailer. I yeah. feel like that's the one thing I remember from the trailer is that moment seeing yeah. I think they just took them jumping out of the plane and coming down and then maybe it was like at the first teaser or the beginning of it, the trailer. Yes, it was. Something and you're like, like holy crap, this movie is legit. But yeah, that's yeah. it's so well executed and so like eerie and surreal and like mm-hmm. you're like yeah it again that's one of those scenes that really is good at conveying how awe-inspiring everything that's happening you know is it does a legitimately good job of being like oh yeah these little humans are just you are like the buzzing of flies to him <laughs> and i love the one soldier's like guess we're monster hunters now yeah <laughs> yep yep yeah and he's just, yeah he's just going with it that's the proxy for the audience right there like yeah let's go yep. get some monsters yeah, it was so cool. I wish there would have been a little bit more Vegas carnage. I could have dealt with that some mm-hmm. more time in Vegas with Vegas things getting thrown around and, and shit Destroyed. like that. But I appreciated yep. that it was another stop along the way. Oh, yeah. And I could deal with more Elizabeth Olsen. Like, I wish that there's yeah. a little bit. I wish her character her. was a little more than just like, I'm the mom. And like, that's yeah. kind of all she gets to do. And like, she's a nurse, but like, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I don't remember a ton. Of, like, they could have done more there with that. Sure. In particular. Yeah. She, I mean, you know, she's going to be out there probably as like a first responder and stuff. There's still going to be people like, you know, needing to do these things. So that could have been fleshed out more. And I loved just like paying homage to the sort of origins when they go to San Francisco and they're in like Chinatown and stuff like just the look of it that you're like, like for a moment, like if you just dropped in, you wouldn't know where you were country wise. Oh yes. And I thought that was so cool. that they Yeah. Were like, yeah. With the, the pagoda style buildings yes, and stuff. And you're like, yes. okay, yeah, they're trying to bring in that. Like, cause you watch the classic Godzilla movies uh, and you know, you're, you're constantly seeing Asian architecture is what's getting destroyed. So they're very, you know, it's a good mm-hmm. tribute, architectural tribute. Yeah. The beginning's like confusing. And I mean, I think it's probably supposed to be like, cause I kept thinking, I didn't know there were the other monsters. Yeah. So when they're like, and that shell is like weird. Like I couldn't tell, like, is it like a shell, an egg, uh, whatever, or is it like, it was very confusing, which is fine, but mm-hmm. I just, it took me a while to sort of acclimate myself to like, what the fuck is going on? Just thinking I'm coming and watching Godzilla and it's going to be just Godzilla 
coming out of the water and wreaking havoc. I was like, what's happening here? Yeah. But I really like it made it more exciting. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember that from the first time I saw it too, where you're watching the movie and you're thinking like, there's gotta be other monsters, right? But we don't know what's coming. And that was like a pleasant surprise to have like, oh, there's some cool new monsters in here that are brand new and, you know, also we'll those cool are brand scenes. new. They're not yeah, those, like from. Yeah, those are brand new, original to this movie. Okay, that's I th- cool. I think design, like making the one a flying thing. That you know, there's been plenty of flying Godzilla like adversaries in the classic run of the movies. So like that, clearly they're trying to draw inspiration from that stuff. But no, these were original for this movie. And then in King of the Monsters, the one, the sequel to this movie, that's when they bring in like. Rodan and Mothra and some of the classic other classic uh, Toho created monsters. So that was pretty cool, too. Yeah, I'm excited to see that because I feel like I I don't know this, but I just feel like I will emotionally connect with like Eleven and Vera Farmiga. Like I just feel Millie, Mm -hmm. Millie Bobby Brown or Millie Bobby Brown. Yep. Yeah, I love her. So I just feel like I'm going to connect with them more than I connected with Aaron Taylor Johnson as much as I just thought he was a total dreamboat. Mm-hmm. And like, I liked him. I wasn't like, ugh, this guy. But I just, he's very kind of stoic. And mm-hmm. I didn't emotionally get real wrapped up in him and Elizabeth Olsen. And I feel like part of that too is like, in some level, I'm like, the writers have to be doing a tribute to the classic Japanese Godzilla movies because all of the human characters in those are generally stock. Like, I'm a scientist and I'm an army guy and we're, the, you know, it, it's very uh, archetypal characters. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, they're making everybody scientists and army dudes and stuff. Like, they have to be paying tribute on some level, knowingly paying tribute on some level to the classic movies where you're like, that's who populates the human world usually. So yeah, I'm really excited. I want to watch King of the Monsters and I want to watch Skull Island. Is that yep. what it's called? Yeah, uh, the next movie in this cycle, this series, so it goes get Godzilla. The next one is Kong Skull Island sequentially, where that one of course, is about King Kong, but it fleshes out this like more of the lore of the world they were building. Okay. Uh, and then it goes to Godzilla King of the Monsters, which like jumps, you know, jumps, starts it even further. Uh, and of course, as we're recording today was the premiere of Godzilla versus Kong, which I've not been able to watch yet, but I can't wait till so I have excited? time. I'm so excited holiday, to watch holiday it. Holiday weekend. That's what you're going to do. I know. I got to I got to watch it as soon as possible. So. Cool. Well, I will get on it. I I don't even though I saw Peter Jackson's King Kong and I know how it ends. I still thought Kong Skull Island was like a continuation of that. Like I didn't realize mm-hmm. that it's its own thing until I think you told me that. Yeah. And, I, and you know, the way these things float around too. I bet you at one point it was supposed to be a sequel because uh, there was going to be a sequel to the Peter Jackson one somehow or prequel or some shit or prequel or whatever but you know they just recycle these ideas until they get turned into a new version so and i'm so excited to see because here godzilla's good i've always thought of king kong as good quote unquote Mm -hmm. so i'm very intrigued why it's versus i know i want to find out how they make that happen because they're both kind of heroes or at least misunderstood they're not they're not actively malevolent they just want to live their lives and humans come and mess with them yeah i also for some reason never thought of godzilla as like a dinosaur sort of thing until this one someone said something like look dinosaur or something like that yeah and i was like oh i've never 
I know he's like a giant lizard, right? More so. Yeah. But like yeah. lizards are like dinosaurs, like whatever they that's what they used to be or some shit. I don't know. But mm -hmm. but I just had never like looked at it like that. And I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah. And if I remember too, I it, you know, the original design when Toho like first created the character, like, you know, it makes sense when you look at it but like broken down where they kind of took like a T-Rex or you know, the theropod dinosaurs. And then they're like, and Stegosaurus has really cool plates on its back. Let's put a bunch of spines on the back of him. And they kind of mash together different dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. And we're like, and here it is. This is our design. That's cool. Yep. So out of how many Muto eggs, mm. uh, out of five Muto eggs, how many do you give it? I'm going to give it four. Whoa, more than I thought. Cool. Yes. How many do you give it? I also give it a four. Okay. And I guess, that not that a scare of approval? Yes, it is. That's a scare of approval, guys. Watch Godzilla 2014. Yeah, talking about it made me very excited to watch the other ones. So I'm going to get on that. They generally have same level of quality. I think you'll have fun with the next couple of movies. So Okay. Well, I'm in. Well, let's go back in time for my movie, which is just not how it usually is. No, but cool. So the letterbox tagline is, the eyes of the city are mine. And the summary is, an ophthalmologist assistant with an unhealthy interest in human eyeballs goes on a killing spree to collect eyeballs for his overbearing mother's collection. Reality soon takes a bizarre turn, both for the characters and the audience. <gasps> So this movie was a wild fucking ride, man. Uh, <laughs> this was uh, this was great. Again, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Yes, please. If you're going to watch it, leave. Because we can't now. talk about it without spoiling it. Come, but yeah, we really... can't talk about this without spoiling this one. This one's too hard to talk about without spoiling it. But you should watch it. So leave and go watch it. I think it's really brilliant. The, the, the synopsis you just said. Uh, and then when I looked this up after after I watched it and was like reading some more online, like every plot description everywhere describes the movie within the movie as like as if that's the plot of the movie without giving mm -hmm. away that you're like, OK, after the first 20 minutes, it's going to be revealed that the people are watching this happening on a screen. And you're like, holy shit. Yeah. While this was going. So, of course, I'm like, all right. All right. This is kind of a weird Euro like horror movie. And I'm like, but why is this special? I'm not getting it. Like, it's kind of neat, you know, the actors they had having Zelda Rubenstein and uh, Michael Lerner as John to like a couple actors that I'm not used to seeing in this sort of movie. That was novel. And there's a moment too, the woman that goes to get the contact lenses, mm -hmm. like her acting initially, I was like, this is weird. Like she's wonky and like, I don't know what's up with this performance. It's strange, yeah. but I feel like that's by design because then they reveal to you you're watching a bad movie like in a movie theater i'm like oh i think that's why this movie seems so weird i'm like it seems kind of stilted but yeah it just kept pulling the rug out from underneath you as it goes i don't even know man at certain points i'm like i'm not even sure what's going on anymore but i love it like <laughs> it does it's so weird and i love a good 20 minute twist like yeah it's like because you are like, this is so odd. Like, it's such a weird little movie, but it's like artistic enough and interesting and weird enough that like you're still kind of invested. But then, and it doesn't, like 20 minutes in is not, I mean, there's still an hour left in the movie. And mm -hmm. then you're in the theater and you go back and forth. Yeah. Between the two still. And uh -huh. they're still like intertwined and like 
parallel to each other in lots of ways. And it's just so, I just find it so fucking weird and so cool. Initially, I was wondering what was going on when uh, Zelda Rubenstein like picks up the conch shell or whatever and she can mm-hmm. hear him talking. And I'm like, so there's going to be a supernatural twist? Is like that the twist I'm waiting for? But like, then it doesn't even matter what's going on there because they're like, oh, it's a movie. They're watching a movie. And there's like a crazy guy in the theater that's enacting like kind of what's happening. And, and then of course, at the very end where the whole thing was a movie, at the, the, that last moment where you're like, oh, and that was and a, like movie the a movie. Yeah, everything was yeah. a movie. <laughs> that was that, like, because I'm like, oh, okay. And then we're, and then you get to the credits and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was, was like, like that's, Inception. That's so cool. Did you watch it all the way through? I watched all the way through and I was trying to figure out the last guy that leaves the theater looks like he's wearing glasses when he oh. stands up and walks out. And I'm like, was that him? Was that supposed to be him watching the movie? Like yet another like mm. weird little twist. Cause the guy stands up and he puts on a hat, but it looks like he has glasses on. Okay. And he's the last one to walk out. And I'm like, was that supposed to be him? I'm not sure, but I'd like to think it was. Yeah. And it's like, what is it saying? It feels like it's saying like, look how art can influence the audience. Sure. Yeah. That's what I feel. It has to be a life imitates art imitates life imitate you know in a never-ending cycle and there's so much about like eyes and like within the this the core story that you're watching initially and then it's like the people are watching it and being affected in different ways Mm -hmm. and it's like some people like know like the main girl i think her name's linda or patty i don't remember which one she is yeah but like she's like feeling it that something weird is going to happen like she's hearing the voices in her head but then that other guy's affected in that way that he like you know mass mayhem like you know pulls a a colorado movie theater thing that again mm-hmm. i thought of the you know yeah like the people this. in colorado and like yep. if they were to watch this would they be like oh fuck like as soon as they see that they're like i'm not watching this shit yeah yeah no i did see a like i read a blurb uh, in a review afterwards, maybe on Letterboxd somewhere where they were like, you know, it seems unfair that this movie hasn't had a revival as like a midnight movie, but they could also understand why people wouldn't want to play it because of the carnage. Yeah. Uh, in a movie theater, playing in a movie theater might be a little bit uncomfortable, especially in this day and age. But yeah, so I already shouted out to them, but again, it's only a podcast talked about this and they like spoke about it in veiled terms so as to say like go watch this i think it was on like their best of the year i think it was the the year that they did like the slasher like they do two movies an episode and usually one's a new movie and then one's along a theme for an entire year and i think that this was in like the slasher year Mm -hmm. and they just talked about how great it was and ian one of the hosts his Letterbox review says a confoundingly surprising film reality gets flipped more times than an Olympic gymnast and shows no signs of fatigue added to my bucket list of a film. I must see in theaters before I die. Mm-hmm. I, Cause it I, would be so cool to watch it in a theater. And I envy the people who were able to see it in a theater. This is a, this is a movie that I was sitting here and I'm like, Hey, you know, when we're able to be in person again, you know, hoping we're still doing this uh, and still, you know, rocking out with Planet Ant. Hey, guys, we got some ideas for screenings if you want to do in-person yes. events and like throw this on the list. This would be, oh I God. think, a fun. Uh, I think it would drum up some interest. I think you could get a fun like midnight showing of this or something. 
And do you like as soon as like because I first thought it was angst, which we talked about. You were like, I think it's like one of these other yeah, or, like that. There's similar titles. But as soon as I knew Zelda Rubenstein was in it, like I knew what movie it was because I remember the VHS cover as a kid. Oh, it's not okay. like the main post. The main poster is so weird. She's doing this like really weird pose mm -hmm. in front of a bunch of eyes. But the poster or the VHS box I remember is like a spiral with like her eye in the middle of it. It's like black and white and the spirals like red or something. Okay. And that's like, I just remembered that VHS cover from being oh, wow. a kid in the video store. Yeah. This movie rings no bells to me no. from my past at all. Like I, I had no idea of the existence of this until I think you told me about it, you know, a couple years, yeah, a year like a, ago, a couple years ago, like, yeah, this, like a year and some change, like wanting me to watch this movie was kind of the impetus for like creating this podcast really. So here we are, we've come full circle. Oh my God. And I thought Zelda Rubenstein was so good. She's so weird. And I just, I'm like, God, I wish I could have known her. Like, I just think she seems so fucking cool. Oh, I absolutely love Zelda Rubenstein. And I went down a rabbit hole watching this again. Cause I remembered the TV show scariest places on earth. Uh, oh, I used to heard of that. I used to watch it all the freaking time in college because it would rerun. I don't remember if it was still new at that time, but it would rerun on like whatever the hell channel it was, like the Family Channel or one of those. Like, what is it called yeah. now? Free Freeform or something like that. Yeah, whatever it was, whatever it was before, it used to play like ad nauseum the reruns. It was a show where each episode was like about a famous supposedly haunted place or where some sort of like murder or something terrible had happened in history. And they would send people to like stay there and see how scared they would get. But Zelda Rubenstein oh. was the narrator of oh. every episode. So it would always like, you know, you'd have her like in 1958, <laughs> 20 people were murdered in this. I building. like that you make her sound like she's like a smoker. Whereas yeah, I think I, of her as like, as like high, funny little voice. Yeah, I can't do it. But <laughs> it, just hearing her voice talk about all these grisly murders and stuff was like one of the, some of the scariest shit I'd ever heard in my life. Yeah, she's so good in Poltergeist and also yeah. 16 Candles. She's so funny in that. She's just fantastic. Uh, yeah, and she's great in this. And the movie within the movie in here, uh, what was it? The Mommy? It the called? Mommy. It should have been called The Mother, I feel. <laughs> I, I, like I, I, she's always like, listen to Mother. But like, I, then it's called The Mommy, which I found mommy. so odd. I like that because it reminded me. Okay, I'm going to take you on a little journey, listeners, too. I, I have to over explain some things so you get where I'm coming from here. There is a British. Uh, BBC comedy from years ago called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. And it is great. It only went for like one season of like six episodes or whatever, like these British shows do. It's hilarious, but it's, it's a show that has like a show within a show. Cause the idea is Garth Marenghi is a fictional character. He's, he's a spoof of Stephen King. Uh, and the idea of the series is that this is a documentary about the time that he created a soap opera that he starred and produced in. And then every episode has the clips of the soap opera shows if they're okay. unearthing this lost like series, but it's, it's British humor. So, you know, it's absurd and crazy and meant to be like terrible. It's got uh, like Richard Ayuati and Matt Berry, like dudes that are now big and, you know, the British comedy world uh, that have worked with like the mighty Boosh and stuff like that. But this is early in their career. Uh, anyway, so that show then had a spinoff called uh, 
uh, it was Richard Ayuati's character in it. Dean Lerner uh, was the character he played in the show, and they created a fake talk show for his character. Uh, and they they would have on fake like horror movie directors and stuff that he would interview. But there is one episode with a guy who they're like, he created the most controversial movie of its time in England. Uh, and it, the movie is called the fake movie. The movie within the movie in the show is bitch killer. <laughs> and <laughs> Oh, wow. It's just about this, you know, the clips, the staged, you know, the made up clips they show you are of a, uh, just a frumpy, uh, kind of like this movie, a frumpy dude with glasses who's going around killing women. But that feels like it's inspired by a movie like this. That's what I'm getting to. Like seeing the the mommy in this. I'm like, ah, this is exactly what they must have watched. Something like this. And they're like, okay, we're like film nerds and comedy guys. We're now going to write this into our show, a tribute to this into our show somehow. Uh, and it seems like so authentic, like watching this where you're like, yep, it's just... European horror, man. They, yes. yes. <laughs> it has a certain flavor and it's so spoofable. The other thing that I thought of numerous times in, the, in this is like, believe women when they tell you of trauma. Like it oh. happens so much. Like the girl didn't believe her friend. Then she goes outside, tells some guy that someone's in the movie theater killing people. And he's like, mm, I, don't, I think that you're crazy. He's like, like nah. I mean, at least later he was like, I'm so sorry I didn't believe you. But mm -hmm. I just kept being like, believe people when they tell you of trauma. Like, don't think that they're not telling the truth, especially women. Like, come on now. And at least the one guy was like, I'll help you. I'll go try and find your friend. It's going to be okay. And, <laughs> yeah. and then he dies. And you're like, come on, yeah. movie. Like, give us, <laughs> give us something here. And also, I just recently rewatched Demons. And of course, it's reminiscent of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, especially because it's in, like, the same time frame. And in it's, like... In a movie like, theater. In a movie theater. There's a movie within a movie. And that they sort of... The lines get blurred. And it's... Yeah. it's I was like, this is, like, a less monstery version of demons a more mm -hmm. realistic but then and you get to the end and you're like well that was sort of a weird turn like the very not the credits but right before the credits in the hospital oh yeah there's you're like oh this is an interesting turn but then when you go to the movie theater you're like oh it makes sense because that was the movie within the movie within the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's not quite as out of place and it also has an 80s feel of like dress to kill and carry mm -hmm. like that sort of thing that became very popular and granted this is more mid 80s as opposed to like late 70s early 80s like those yeah. where there's that like scare right at the end you sure. know that sort of you think everything's okay and yeah and it was very i guess hitchcockian but also kind of like proto david lynch in a mm -hmm. way um even though because i was like yeah david lynch's career started before this movie but he was not yet David Lynch, as we know David Lynch, because I was thinking of like Lost Highway or uh, Mulholland Drive movies that play with your sense of reality the entire time. And I was like, that's what this movie's doing. Not as triply. It's getting there because I'm like, wait, he went into the movie theater. I'm like, is he out of the movie now and in the theater with the people watching what's happening? I'm like, no, no, no. But it's got kind of confusing to keep track of yeah. what was going on. Yeah. Um, and that moment where... Okay, the the first movie theater screen is playing The Lost World. The, you is know, that a real movie? That's a real movie. It's a, okay. like a dinosaur. It's actually a silent film, I think. So they had sound effects in there that I'm like, they must have added those. 
but it's a real movie and the screen is playing the fine the climax of that movie where the dinosaur is on a rampage like killing people and it gets killed uh and then you come out to john michael lerner uh and he's on a rampage killing people uh and then you come out to the next screen and then the dude in the theater is inspired by that movie killing people and you're like that uh, it's like a hall of mirrors it's really <laughs> Yeah. Uh, crazy how they layered that. I'm like, that's fantastic. Yeah, it definitely has themes of like art imitating life, imitating art, imitating life. <laughs> yep, just over and over and nauseam. Over and over. Uh, and also that was a pleasant surprise when this started too, where I'm like, Michael Lerner, um, I like him a lot. Uh, you know, he's one of those... As John, where I'm like, oh, and him without like white hair and <laughs> looking older, like I'm used to seeing him as a character actor nowadays. And Betty Davis was supposed to play the mother. Which I'm like, is that like a playoff of Betty Davis' eyes there? Because this is movies about eyes, you know? Oh. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought. I, I thought of the of song. That. I was like, Betty Davis' eyes. Is that what they were going for? <laughs> So you said it was going to be like a late 80s slasher about a serial killer wreaking havoc in New York City, killing women mm -hmm. and hilarity ensues. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, there was a serial killer of sorts. Yeah. In like L.A. Yeah, I kind of guessed the plot of the movie within a movie. <laughs> but not... Which one is that, though? There's so many of them. Yeah, who knows? One <laughs> of them. Going. I guessed one of them, somewhat. But it, broad as strokes. much as it's kind of artsy, like it didn't feel like, like, ugh, like full of itself. Like it mm -hmm. was clever without being like pretentious. I didn't feel it was pretentious. No, this just felt fun. Yeah. And just yeah. clever. Like I was just like, that's really an interesting film. Like oh, that yeah. was, it was a surprising and in, in a way that I'm like, I didn't know about this movie and I'm surprised I never did. And no one ever talks about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. I, I did think it was really funny um, that as I was watching this, the scene where it's revealed that he's an ophthalmologist or works at an ophthalmologist's office, I got a text uh, confirming my appointment with my <laughs> ophthalmologist <laughs> next, uh, uh, next month. So I was like, ha, that's weird amazing and that Weird. real eye surgery i mean it looked like real eye surgery mm -hmm. they showed, like that scalpel going into the eye in the beginning i was like <laughs> so out of five severed bloody eyeballs uh -huh. how many do you give this film i'm giving it a solid four Very and cool. we'll watch again i give it Four and a half. It's what I gave it the first time. And it's what I gave it this time too. I liked it just as much the second time. Granted, knowing what happens in it isn't quite as fun, but I still very much enjoyed the ride. I thought it was just, it's just super clever and cool. And I, more people should watch it and, and talk about it. Mm -hmm. So watch it. Yeah. This is a movie that like I kept thinking about possession watching this one because i feel like it's a another movie that i guess it's a little bit culty but i feel like not enough people are talking about it for how good this movie is uh much like possession where that was done and i'm like this was a very good movie like this is like an art film almost like why mm -hmm. is not why aren't every why isn't everybody talking about it like everyone in the horror world should be crazy for a movie like this and nobody's talking about it. So, yeah, I think some connections are like just that sort of mayhem among like a, a monster among the people sort of wreaking havoc and taking them down. I've got a, I've got a, I got a little more uh, trying 
a little like uh what do you call it degrees of kevin bacon kind of connection where oh, okay i was like one movie is a godzilla movie uh and anguish has michael lerner in it michael lerner was one of the stars of the 1998 godzilla with oh. Matthew Broderick and uh, Jean Reno and all those people. Oh, and I guess the Lost World sort of ties in. And the d- dinosaur theme, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, he was the mayor of New York in that version of Godzilla. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll take so that, it. So that's what I think of when I see that guy. And then to see him as a serial killer, I was like, wow, that's a big difference. That's amazing. Well, if you're out there listening and you've seen Anguish, I want to know what you thought of it. Yeah. Hell yeah. We need to to the bottom of this, I guess. Are there more people? Is there any cult out there? Join the Anguish Army. We need to know (laughs) who else loves this movie. (sighs) Write us, scaringasharing at gmail.com. Follow us on the Insta. Shoot us a PM. A DM? A PM DM. A DM PM. Just shoot us all the messages. Send us a private message. (laughs) If you're out there in the dark, send it to us privately. And um, join us again next week. Our operators are always waiting. Always standing by. (laughs) That reminds me of USA up all night. All those 900 numbers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody keep sharing the scares. All hail the new flesh and uh, hail Paymon. That's right. And watch more fucking horror movies. Bye. Till next time. Scaring is sharing. 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 This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.